Hey, listen, let's jump into the word real quick. Luke 15. Luke 15, I'm going to go to go on and read. Uh, I'm going to read all of this, well, most of this uh, pericope. It is one that is familiar to us. And for those that it is not familiar to, we're going to bring you up to speed by reading our text today. So Luke chapter 15. Two things that are different today. Number one, I'm using this podium. I feel real preachy when this comes out. Um, also, I have no notes for today. I just have some unctions in my spirit. Don't be stressed. I'm not going to preach over the time that I normally preach. Okay, there you go. So you can't, don't, don't expect nothing worse, but don't expect no better. It's going to be what it is, all right? <laughs> Here we go. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 reads, And then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that fall to me, or the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. So far, our scripture reading this morning, I want to talk to you uh, from this thought, the father who refused to be dead. The father who refused to be dead. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this moment. I pray today that you'll speak, that you'll lift out of the text that, that which you'll have us learn from you today. Reveal yourself in the volume of the book. My prayer, Lord Jesus, is that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity of thought, agility of wit, and allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. 
in Jesus name amen so this story is the third story in a trilogy that Jesus is teaching he uh, teaches a trilogy of parables called the lost things so we have a lost uh, coin a lost sheep a lost coin and a lost son Jesus is talking uh, to the Pharisees who have problems with the fact that Jesus hangs out with unsaved people. If you read the text up at the top of this, uh, above this, he, the problem is that Jesus is having lunch with people who have bad reputations. And church folk, woo, church folk get on my nerves, and church folk have an issue with him because he's hanging out with people who have bad rep reputations. So Jesus starts stepping over into a teaching moment and he says stuff like, uh, which of you, which, which of you who, if you were a farmer or a shepherd, if you were a shepherd, if you had a uh, hundred sheep and one went astray, wouldn't you go after the one and leave the 99 who don't need to be rescued? That's what Jesus said. He says, uh, when the shepherd goes and gets the one, there is a party thrown. He picks the shepherd, he picks the sheep up, put them around his neck, brings them back, and they throw a party. He goes on to say, hey, there's a lady who lost a coin in her house, and she tore the house up frantically. When she found it, she called her friends and said, let's get turn up because I found the coin. He says, what happens in heaven is that in heaven, they throw a party when one who need saving, get saved. So Jesus was like, stop tripping. But he tells this story last about this, what we call the prodigal son. It is interesting because we often hear uh, messages about this prodigal son, and we hear from him, we hear from the other son, but we don't hear a whole lot of messages about the father. I want to talk to you just for a few moments about this father. There are nuggets in this, this text that every father uh, should be encouraged from because here's what I want you to know. Everything we see in this text is inside of you. It's inside of you. This father in this text is amazing. Now this story is interesting because Jesus goes from sheep he goes from money, then he goes into the family dynamic. This family dynamic is a dynamic that we uh, are familiar with. We have contrary kids in this text. Contrary kids. This dad is wealthy. Okay? He's a wealthy dad. We know that because, number one, he has an inheritance to leave. Um... We know that he's wealthy because at the end of the story, he throws big parties. We know that he's wealthy because he gives rings for his gifts. The family has a ring and an insignia. This is a wealthy family, and I want to encourage you because you need to know this. Money does not solve problems. In this text, it could be the cause of one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, we're still, we're still grieving, if you will, which I think is just so amazing to me the way I feel about these suicides that happened recently. I am uh, 
I still feel about them as if I knew these people personally. And so then I keep hearing of other suicides. I've heard of two more suicides right after that. We are praying for Carlos and his family, the Spencer family. He lost a cousin um, last week um, to the same thing. And so we're praying because I don't care how much money you have. Money does not bring peace. You hear me? You can't buy peace. See, people feel like my family is just in disarray. I wish I had more money. Really? Some of your family's problem is because your grandmama had a little bit of money, and when she died, everybody got mad and started fussing and fighting. And that's why you got turmoil in the house, because granny died and left somebody $5 more than she left the other, and there ain't nobody speaking. Crazy. Granny ain't leave nobody enough money to stop working, but everybody's mad because... That's just like dumb. That's the dumbest thing. So anyway, let me get into this text. So this young son goes to his father and says to his father, I want my inheritance. Okay? Here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that in order to get an inheritance, inheritance comes when somebody dies. Hear me? So what this young son is basically walking up to his daddy saying, you're dead to me. Give me my stuff. What's amazing to me is that there is a, a, a sense of entitlement that this young man brings to his daddy, Mario. Like, like, there is a process that this young man is overstepping. Number one, Daddy is supposed to be dead in order for me to get this. Number two, brother is supposed to have his because I'm the younger brother. The older brother gets a double portion. It's amazing to me the one who gets the most never asks for anything. It's the young one that says, you're dead to me. I want my stuff. And so here's what the dad does. The text says... That the one says, give to me. But the father divides to them. Look at what the text. Only one answers. And if you, if you sleep on it, you'll believe that the father only gave the one his portion. But the text says he divided to them what they were supposed to have. Which means now... There is an older son here who now gets a double portion of everything the dad has, and he didn't even ask for it. And I wonder why this happens. And the Holy Ghost says, Tim, what fathers have to understand is that there is an intrinsic wisdom inside of them that will teach them what they need to know at the moments that they need to know it to make every situation right. He could not give to one without giving to the other, and there is a wisdom that the Father uses to be able, listen, to manage family tension. Listen, I want to encourage every man in here today, every father in here. Listen, if you're the head of the house, I want to encourage you. You have what you need. You have what you need inside of you to manage family tension. 
Because think about it. He says, I can't give to you, son, without giving to your older brother because there is a process. So the father took a risk because the older son could have said, fine, if that's what we're doing, I'm going to get ready to go my way. And if the older son had said that, the father would have been left with nothing. But the father knew that the older one was a little more settled. He wasn't going anywhere, so I can give you all your stuff. And because you're not going anywhere, my life is not affected. But I can give you your stuff because, listen, here's the next thing. He had wisdom to understand that he had, to, he had the wisdom he needed to manage the uh, life tension. But here's the other thing. He had discernment to know that there are some things you have to let go even though you don't want to. Listen, in managing family tensions, sometimes you have to let some stuff go even when you don't want to. This father did not want to let the son go because in order to let the son go, I'm losing my son. I'm about to give you everything. And based, listen, and based on what you've asked me, I, I know that you're still foolish. And I realize that what I'm about to give you, you're not going to have for long because you're foolish. And sometimes you have to be discerning enough to know that what I can't teach you, time will. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, it's hard, it's hard. It's hard to see your child walk out the house knowing that they may never come back again based on what just happened. And there is, there is a discernment in this man that says, listen, I can't keep what doesn't want to stay. So he divides to them. And so this boy goes out and is a fool. He is a fool. He goes out, and the text says that in the King James Version, talks about him living riotously. He spent his money. He went out, he went to Vegas and totally blacked out. Watch. He went to a faraway land, and I'm not going to teach this, so I'm just going to tell the story so I can get to where I want to be. He went to a faraway land, okay? He journeyed to a far country, spent all his junk wastefully, all his money, spent it wastefully. Listen. And the text says, and a famine came in that land. Not in the land, came to that land. What land? Wherever he went and started living wastefully, famine came. Listen, listen, listen. There is always the opportunity for famine to come into your life based on how you live. Hear me, this is not what I came to preach, but I will tell you this. You can't pray off if you don't live right some stuff that comes into your land. You can't pray it off. Because the famine wasn't in every land, the famine was just in that land, and everything that happened to him happened in that land. Where? In the land of wasteful living. And the land of wasteful living does not have a specific geographical location. It's just wherever you are, if you live wastefully, famine is coming. I was watching Fred Sanford last night, and Fred was on a winning streak. He was winning everything he touched. He went in at poker, and he was on this streak, and he ended up going to Vegas. And 
famine came in that land. When he got back, he had $100 to his name, ended up giving it to Aunt Esther's church. And I was like, now that I preach, you gave your last to the church, Fred. The Lord ain't going to let you lose Sanford Arms. <laughs> but wasteful living comes. So anyway, this guy, uh, he, the son goes and he lives wastefully. And the text says he connected with uh, a Gentile. And the Gentile said to him, hey, I'll give you a job feeding my pigs. This young man was a Hebrew. They didn't do swine. Listen, but wasteful living will cause you to come out of yourself and live in a nature that's not yours. That's not what I'm preaching today, so I got to keep moving past it. But I want you to hear me. I know I got that right because the text says that he got so hungry while feeding the pigs that he was willing to eat what they ate. And then the text says he came to himself, which means wasteful living cost you, you. It was at the point that he came to himself that his life changed. He says, I will arise. You cannot live above where you are until you get back connected to you again. Sometimes you got to stop life and ask yourself, who am I? I wasn't raised like this. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. You got to ask yourself. So anyway, he, he arises, the text says, he came to himself and he starts having this internal conversation. And the internal conversation caused him to start reasoning some stuff. In this conversation, he, comes, uh, he becomes contrite and repentant. He realizes that I messed up so badly that I don't need to be a son anymore. I can just be a servant because I realize that at this, at this juncture in my life, my daddy's hired hands eat better than me. Because the text said he would have ate the pig's food but nobody gave it to him. Imagine having to feed your dog, wishing that the dog would offer you. Would you like some? So the text says that in the conversation inside, he says, man, I would gladly eat this stuff. He says, but here's the deal. My daddy got service and they eating better than me. They getting three squares. I'm, I'm, I'm salivating over something I can't even have right now that's beneath me. I will arise and go and tell my daddy, Pop, I messed up. I sinned against God. I sinned against you. Will you hire me? I just need a job. So the Bible says that he got up, listen, and went to his father. And he arose, verse 20 says, and came to his father, listen, the text says here, but when he was still a great way off. Everybody say a great way off. His father saw him stop. Not only did this father use wisdom, not only was this father discerning, this father lived, listen, with expectation. I want y'all to know something. I have been preaching this to myself all week long because as parents, you got to live with some expectation. This boy came to his daddy and said, you're dead to me. I want my stuff and I'm out of here. I really don't care what happens to you because again, I'm asking you for my inheritance that comes after you die. So to me, you're dead. I'm out. Peace. But the father lived in an expectation. Listen, that caused him to see the son before the son got on the property. 
That also says to me that the father was sitting in a position where he could always look down the road. Listen, 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 sons and daughters, let me tell you this. Your parents have the ability to see further than you can right now. Don't ask me why, it's just the way God did it. Some of it has to do with the fact that they've lived and walked some of the roads that you're walking. But some of it also is the position that God has given parents. And parents are overseers. They see further. Listen, you can say all day, well, you made the same mistake. That's why I'm telling you, dummy. Well, mama, you didn't go through this. Don't mean I didn't see it. Maybe somebody told me not to do it. So I'm telling you not to do it because parents can see further. The text says that while he was still afar off, which says to me that the dad had to live in a place of forgiveness so he wouldn't close off the opportunity for a son to come home. Listen, dads, sometimes our kids are just dumb. Don't be offended. You were dumb too. I'm the king of dumb. You want to look up dumb? Look, up, look it up. You'll see your pastor right there. Hey, king of dumb said stupid stuff. And I told y'all the story when I called and asked my mom when I was 19, would you forgive me, mama, for talking back to you and saying crazy stuff? She said, son, I already did. Because there is, listen, if we will step into it, there is a divine enablement to forgive when it comes to our children. Really, there's a divine enablement to, to forgive everybody if you'll step into it. You hear me? So the dad positioned himself in such a way, lived with expectation, and the text said that when he saw his son from afar off, the Bible said he ran to him. Here is where I get the topic, he refused not to die, he refused to be dead. Watch. In Hebrew custom, when a man reached a certain age, he did not run. <laughs> he did not run. When a man got to a certain age, it was undignified for him to run. I would really want to know what the Hebrew custom thinks about the NBA with all these old dudes still playing ball. I just would wonder. Because in their custom, when you got to a certain age, you don't run for anything. Because it made them less than a man. I'm no longer classy. I'm no, long, no, no longer uh, distinguished. I'm not a gentleman. I am not dignified. But the Bible says when he saw his son, the Bible says that he ran to him which is really interesting because that says to me that the father is willing to step, overstep protocol to love on his kid. Oh, let me let, me, let, me let that ride for a second because, because I know what society says and society would tell you if that was me, I'd just leave him in there. Come on. Society would say, right, listen, you, you go out here and get in trouble you want to. You're on your own because I ain't going to no jails. That's what society will tell you. If I was you, I wouldn't go get them. I'd just let them stay there overnight. They'll learn their lesson. But it's something about a parent's love yes. 
that will overstep protocol. Listen, that will make me look crazy just to go get my kid. You hear what I'm saying? And I guess if you ain't never been in that situation, you don't know what I'm talking about. You can stay on the other side of protocol. But the father refused to be dead because the son said to him, you're dead to me. And the father responded, but you are not dead to me. As a matter of fact, you're so alive to me that I don't care about what people think about me. I'm getting ready to run down this driveway as fast as I can. I'm not even sure it's you, but I see something in the dust at the end. You know, at your grandmama's house, the grandmama's mailbox was all the way down the road. That, 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 that long, you had to ride your bike down the driveway to get to the mailbox. Y'all ever had one of them grandmamas or the rural houses where the, they were at the end? And he looks down there and he says, I think... I don't even know, but because I'm living with this hope, fathers, you have the ability to live with hope. Hear me, hear me clearly. Don't let this world tell you that a disrespectful child is a hopeless situation. Don't let this world tell you that because they messed up and went to jail that it's a hopeless situation. It is not because God will give you the ability to live with hope in such a way when you see that moment before it fully develops, you are in full stride because my child is turning things around and they're coming home. The text says that he fell on his son and kissed his neck. His son goes through all of the script that he had rehearsed while being in the pig pen. And the text says that daddy interrupted him and says, hey, go get me a robe. Go get me a ring. Because I want to make sure that he knows who he is and that everybody else knows who he is. Ain't no shame in this game. I know you were foolish, son. I know you done lost everything, but it's okay. You've been gone for a minute and some investments came in. We still right side up. It's all good. We're going to start this over again. And the text says that he tells his people, we're going to throw a party. And here's the line I like. Because my son was dead and now he is alive. I love it. Because what the daddy says, I never died, son. I'm right here. I am right here, even though you're gone, even though you said to me, give it all to me, daddy. I don't want, I don't want anything in between me and you anymore. I am cutting the ties. Give it all to me, daddy said. I'm still here. If anything, you were dead to me, but I was never dead to you. He's alive again, because I didn't know if you were going to ever turn around. I didn't know if you were going to ever come to yourself, but I lived in a position well, when you decided to turn around, I was there watching for you. Imagine the people saying, sir, what are you looking for? And he was saying, I can't tell you. I'll know it when I see it. Right. Maybe the servant says, come on, son, sir, would you like some orange juice or some lemonade while you're sitting out here? And they go back there, you see, old man, old man going crazy. And since that boy left, he's just standing out there looking at the driveway. But one day, what he saw and hoped would happen happened again because fathers have the ability to keep hoping against hope. Fathers have the ability to love again, to be discerning, to use wisdom, to live with expectation. Fathers have the ability to step over failed moments and restore and start over again. 
Listen, he was a wise father. I didn't even tell you the fact that when he stood through the party, the son who had been working all day, the older son who didn't know anything that was happening, he had been in the field. He came in and he heard the party. It was lit. They was playing Bruno Mars. And he went to the, to the, to the help and said, hey, yo, what is going on? And the guy said, your, your brother has returned. And the older son was like, hmm, I can't believe this. Can't believe this. You know what he went? He didn't go. The son didn't go to, man, my brother's home. I'm happy. The son went to, I've been here with you all these days. You ain't threw me no party. I ain't even leave. I ain't even ask for money. I've been here working this farm with you, and you have never given me anything. You didn't give me a fatted calf. You didn't give me a ring or a robe. And the daddy in his wisdom said, son, because you were with me, I didn't have, a, have to give it to you. You already had access to it. See, this is why I say our kids can be stupid. Because kids ask for what they have. You mad because I've never thrown you a party. What are we doing at the party? Eating the fatty calf. What else did I give them? Sandals. Look at your feet. What else did I give them? A robe? Are you naked? Don't you have a closet full of robes in there, son? Why now do I have to throw a party for you when you've had access to everything? The land, the food, the calf, you've had everything. And he said, but your son, your brother, had bumped his head and he has been healed. So we have restored him to the family. Let's go drop it like it's hot together. Can we do that, son? Because the father had the wisdom, listen, to manage family tension. You look through the text, you'll find that the brothers never refer to themselves as brothers. The text always refers to them as two sons, which speaks to the fact that they had some tension in and of themselves, but dad had to be the anchor that held the family together. I want to encourage every man today, you have what it takes to hold your family together. Yeah, yeah, but you don't understand, you know, we got a different situation because I'm not with my kid's mama. That's okay. That's okay. You still can be the father that helps hold their lives together. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, because my child said they won't speak to me no more, and, I, and I, I'm dead to them. You don't have to be. In your head, you can still be alive to them. Because the Lord knows how to make a way so that the child will see that all alone, Daddy has been right there. But now, God can't make up a lie. You got to be what you see. If you see that the Father is strong and present, then be. But they won't answer my call. It's okay. They'll see the missed call and know that you were there. They won't return my, my text or my email. It's okay. You'll have a chain. And you'll be able to say to them, remember when you graduated, but I didn't get a, an invitation? I wanted to be there, and I sent you this. Well, I know you had my number blocked, but I just wanted to be able to show you that I was right there with you. It's the, with, the wisdom that is inside of you that at the end of it all will bring a restoration and an anchoring that the family needs. Be encouraged, my brothers. You have what it takes to hold your families together, regardless of what family situation you have.
Start where you are. Pick up the pieces. Be wise. Be discerning. Have expectation. Overall, love enough that when you see them coming toward you, you run to them. Nowhere in the text do we hear the daddy say, oh, honey, now you done seen, ain't you? You done been out there, now you know. I tried to tell you. Father never said any of that. I tried to tell you, didn't, but you wouldn't listen. None of that. None of, I told you so. None of that. I love you. Because sometimes the world will bring them to a place of brokenness, and we have to restore. My question today is that will you be the father that will restore even though they said you're dead to me? Will you be the father that will love in spite of? Will you be the father that oversteps cultural norms and run to that child and love them like God the Father has loved you? Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you'll seal in our hearts the character of the father that you are to us, the father that sees and loves and listens all in spite of. Help us be the fathers, Lord, that will show mercy and grace. Help us be the fathers that will forgive. Help us be the fathers that will run to love on those that we influence. Lord, whether we're mentors or big brothers or uncles or big cousins, whatever it is, God, give us the wisdom it takes to manage all of the relationships that you have seen fit to bring into our lives. Father, we'll yield ourselves to you today. We ask that you'll use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.